We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is up, hotties? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Matthew Spahnauer and Theo Ash. We have a great episode planned for you all today, as we're just going to really go over some NFL and NBA narratives that have been floating around over the past couple of days. Before we get into that, Matt, Theo, how are you guys doing today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon? I'm great. I'm fantastic. I, I am watching a bunch of Quentin Johnston, and that should be out. By the time that you guys are, I was about to, to say podcast, you just so. you just made a video on this, um, which will be interesting considering you know we're going to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba in his forty time, mm-hmm. but uh, we we won't get into that yet. We first have to hear how Matt's doing. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited to get back to Cincinnati tomorrow. I'm really pumped for that, and to get back Ooh, into a normal routine. Like I very much need to. So, your house is done. It's finally. It's it, done. It's <laughs> just about completely done. I'm moving back in, whether they like it or not at this point. But tomorrow, I face the challenge of driving from Nashville to Oxford to get my car back to Cincinnati, and then moving everything out of my room because my room was used to put everything that was in the kitchen in it. So Ooh. the pantry shelf that we have is in there. My entire bed, like, like it's, it's, you can't even walk through it. It's like completely full. Uh, and I you have, have to, to do, do that, that so I can have all before somewhere to sleep. The, so. All before the amp live too. And I have to do the amp live too. <laughs> um, so big day tomorrow, but hey, so you, you be all better, you all better make it worth it for Matt. So come join the amp live tomorrow at 6 PM Eastern time. Or I guess for you, it would be, Today, right? For the people listening, it would be today, Thursday you, at 6 p.m. Eastern. How, what did you guys think of Nashville? I've never been, but I've that's a place that I've always kind of wanted to go. It's been pretty fun, I think. I actually, I, so last night we're out at this like rooftop bar and I'm looking on stage at like the band playing and the, I'm like, the bass player looks really familiar. And it turns out it was my guitar teacher from 10 years ago. That's big time to be performing at a bar in Nashville. He's been doing like crazy. He's been doing like really, really well. He goes on tour a lot. I think he did like 4 million streams. 
on like his new his new label. So so he's been like crushing it low key. So it's really kind of cool to see. Yeah, that's small world. That's small world. But yeah. yeah, I how's how's the food there, Matt? I saw that you posted your your coleslaw. <laughs> and I had another one. I took some yeah, else. Yeah, another coleslaw. I, I almost took another after that. Coleslaw is wonderful. This was very good slaw. We had some Nashville hot chicken from Prince's. Yeah. Uh, and it was very, very good. I got a medium hotness and it was still too hot for me. I, I, I have no embarrassment with, I can't handle spicy stuff like at all. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not cool. I don't power through it well. Hurts my tummy. <laughs> nope. Don't like it. But it was, it was, it was spicy, but it was right at the top of what I could handle. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, I got the hot hotness. And if I had gotten any hotter, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been enjoyable. Anymore. Yeah. They've, yeah, they've got like hot, hot, hot or something and like a crown next to it. And I'm sure that would kill me. So <laughs> other than that, I'm, I, I really liked it. It's a really nice city. There's, it's, it's so crazy. Broadway street is so crazy, man. There's, it's really like just a hundred musical acts all yeah. within a few blocks of each other. So I mean, I knew the music scene was big in Nashville, but I didn't really uh, get it until I. Every single bar and restaurant, if they, if they can have live music, they do have live music. Like every single one. It's insane. And yeah, yet that's I'm not sick. performing out there. <laughs> Someday. Get Someday. tachyons out here. Come on. <laughs> nah, nah, it's cool. But, uh, no, it's, it's been a blast, I think. But yeah, let's, we can talk about, uh, you know, you've, you're, you've been watching, uh, Quentin Johnston. And JSN just ran the 40 today at his pro day and went four, five, three. And I think that's a little bit faster than people expected. Matt and I were talking earlier. I think people mm. had this expectation for JSN to have this athletic profile of like David Bell. David Bell went like four, seven at the combine and was just like a total non athlete, but he had good hands. It was like, Oh, but he's a good receiver. It's like JSN a has much more quickness than that. And B, he ran a five, four, five, three today, which I think is like real speed. And I think that will definitely carry a lot more weight in him getting drafted higher um, at, at this point now. Yeah, people are overthinking this one a little bit. He's not a burner. He is on, you know, slower. But Jesus Christ, man, the way people talk about him uh, has, has just been nuts. And if he had actually played this year, I think we wouldn't have had to go through this whole process. I think he's going to be wide receiver one. I think he's going to go really high. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL immediately. I think he's, I don't know. Sure. The, the, the ceiling on how good he can be is maybe, a, maybe a little bit lower because he doesn't have the long speed. He doesn't, you know, change the game in that way. But overall, dude's good at being a receiver gets open. And that might mean that he gets called slant boy. Hey, he, he <laughs> might, he might, you know, adopt that, that nickname, but. Yards are yards. They're still going to count. Yeah. It's a really good time for him, the 4.3. And I think that there is a bit of a limit on just how high he can get taken just because he doesn't fit the mold of guys who get taken high. I mean, this is something I talk about at the beginning of the Quentin Johnston video. But when you look at the guys who get taken in the top 10 mm-hmm. at wide receiver, it's it's Jalen Waddle, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Drake London, right. it's Jamar Chase, it's you know Calvin Johnson, it's Corey Davis. These were all like very athletic outside down the field explosive athlete like those are the guys who go top 10 um so i don't think that jsn he would be kind of the first slot only guy to ever go quite that high if he's like the first wide receiver off the board and everything like that i i can't ever remember it happening where where someone with his profile even though he did run a good time someone who only played in the slot in college would be the first wide receiver off the board. Usually slot only is like a knock that a, an evaluator right. will give someone that they don't really like, like, yeah, you can play in the slot, but so I don't, I think he still has a chance to be the first wide receiver off the board though. I, I do think that he has a chance to break that trend. And I think if we're going to look at maybe a high end, and I can't remember if I said this on the amp or the podcast, I know that I said it in my mock draft on Substack, but if we're going to, give him a really high-end player, like a really lofty player to comp him to, like we do for all the athletic guys when I see Quentin Johnston get compared to T. Higgins with more yak ability or Julio Jones or something like that. Like right. you see it all the time. JSN, you won't, don't really see that. But if you really wanted to give a, a really high-end 
comparison for him, it would be Travis Kelsey, I think. Like someone who is just crafty and clever and smart and gets open and, you know, always seems to know where the defense is and what angles to take after the catch and, and still creates lots of um, yards after catch. Same thing with Cup. Maybe that's someone who gets um, comped a little bit more often since he's a wide receiver. But if you really, really wanted to say, like, is this guy worth taking in the top 10? Like, look at his production at such a young age. Um, I think that Kelsey is probably the guy that you would look to the most or Cup for for JSN. I those are so lofty that I don't like giving it. I, I still will stick right, with like right, the Amon Ross St. Brown, but I would be pretty happy if the Packers took him at like 15, for example. Yeah. yeah. I, I know PFF posted in their like analysis of him. Their one like snippet quote was if you have a defined slot role in your offense, then you should, then he should be your wide receiver one. Otherwise he shouldn't even be on your board. I think I would be open to even designing a slot role for him if he, if you don't have one. Just because I think like he makes quarterbacks' jobs so much easier. That's what Kelsey does. That's what Cup does. Right? I just I couldn't imagine being like, well, we don't really use slot guys in our offense. Yeah, I think it's not so much that I think because everyone is in 11 personnel and someone's got to be in the, you can't have three outside right. receivers. You know, there's only two <laughs> sidelines. But um, we play like, 40 football now. <laughs> I, I think a lot of teams maybe have the the take that a lot of different guys can produce from the slot. Like you don't go against corner ones a lot. You have the freedom to release both directions and so it's just a little bit easier. You don't need to spend a, a top 20 pick on a guy who can win from the slot because it's just easier um, than, than the outside. But you see that starting to change in the NFL and, and CD lamb is a guy who plays a lot in the slot. Devontae Adams is a guy that the Packers would always move down into the slot. Cause they're like, well, if it's unstoppable anyway, and it's easy to get the ball to the slot guy, why not just put our, our best player there? You know, you know, Kelsey cup. So I, I feel like, more than past years, there is an acceptance to taking a a wide receiver who moves like JSN um, highly. I mean, I, I would even say like Drake London last year. Drake London was an outside guy. Like he was a deep threat. He caught a lot of go balls, contested catches down the sideline. But if Drake London were to have ran the 40, it would not have been a 4.4. It would have been like no. a 4.5 or a 4.6. What well, was really, I I kind of compared Drake London to Cooper Cup, even though he yeah. was getting a lot of Mike Evans comps, just because I thought he was a little bit more of a, a security blanket, a big body who moved well and created uh, separation underneath and, and was kind of bounced off tackles in yards after catch. So I, f- I fell and, in love with Drake London over. I felt that that was the, his slot performances were what made me so high on him. I'm like, he is literally unguardable from the slot. Because yeah. like linebackers just aren't big enough or fat yeah, or was, like they're not athletic enough to guard, to hang with him. He wasn't some crazy athlete. Like he was a bit of a crazy athlete, but he wouldn't have been a crazy testing athlete. I think right. like he didn't have the crazy long speed. He was athletic in other ways, like play strength at the catch point or, <laughs> yeah, right. or, or you know, body yeah, control. And those are right. all things that JSN is good at. And I, I don't want to say like London and JSN are like perfect parallels. They're not, but London wasn't some like crazy, you know, Julio, even Mike Evans, who he's got compared to. I always thought that was a little dumb because he didn't have that kind of like take the top off the defense ability. But I don't know. Maybe that opens up a world where like JSN, who's also not a crazy testing or even I should even say that because he's going to have like an elite RAS. But yeah, his testing was really good. Crazy (laughs) long speed. You know, maybe that's the better way to put it. He's not a crazy like track athlete um maybe right. maybe london going in like eighth or whatever he went opens up the a reality where jsn and also goes pretty high and, and and look man it really all does come back down to one single thing <laughs> if if you if you are are leading that these ohio state receiving rooms there's no way you can do that as a fluke there's no getting like oh well i've i've just been put in this perfect situation you gotta be, you gotta be special. There's guys getting drafted at twelve who couldn't cut it in the Ohio State receiving room, and and I I I, 
I've said before, I think it's totally bogus to say that he just got schemed open. I think he's really special. I think that Utah game was really special. And who was not playing in that? Olave and Garrett Wilson weren't in that game. And he, he had his best game ever, right? The, the body control is, is really ridiculous with him, knows where to be. He's going to be the type of guy who is going to piss people off the way he gets 1300 yards. It's going to make people angry. It's going to be, <laughs> no, a, no, but this doesn't count. No. It's something that I myself have fallen victim to where it's like, man, Kelsey, like he's wide open all the time. Like he just catches it. No <laughs> one is around him. Same thing with cup. No one is around him. And then you look it's, at someone like Kittle, who, you know, will just moss people and run guys mm-hmm. over and, and pancake right. them. And, it's and sexier, say, that's like, better. But really, yards, it's it's actually the same it's, thing. <laughs> right, right. It, it Production is ultimately what matters. And if you're just catching a bunch of first downs all the time, you're catching a bunch of first downs all the time. And that's almost what, like, Garrett Wilson versus JSN is. is like I And I still think, like, Garrett Wilson is probably a better prospect than JSN. Yes. But JSN was the guy, like, Garrett Wilson was you know, climbing the ladder and mossing people and, and hitting crazy yards after catch juke moves and moving in ways that no other wide receiver is moving. And you're like, wow. And JSN isn't really moving quite the same way, but JSN was the more productive player. And there are players that are maybe more talented him at the NFL level, but he, he still may outpace them. Like just because he is, he is so crafty and the, and the speed was a great time. Like the speed doesn't even like matter. And I joked about it. Like, Oh, he's, he was ducking the 40. He's going to run like a 4.7, 4.8. Like, and the reason I was joking about that is because it doesn't fucking matter for him. Like he could run whatever time, like what's on tape is what's on tape. I still, even though he ran a 4.3, I still don't think he has like crazy home run speed. Now I don't like actually think he's faster than I thought he was. Cause I already see how fast he is. He's not, he's not like going to take the top of the defense, <laughs> even if he is around a 4.3, probably, but, um, five, three, it doesn't matter. Cause that's, not, that doesn't have not to be four, his game. Not four, not four, three, four point five, four, three. Yeah. Four point five. My <laughs> fault. Do you understand dog? what I'd be saying on the bird app? If he ran a four, <laughs> three <laughs> in his 40 men, he would, would have be like, saying his RAS Ohio would be like State. 10. <laughs> if you're at a 4.3 i would legitimately not care because i would know like they're fudging the numbers somehow like that cannot yeah. well he didn't play this past steroids. year he didn't play this past year so <laughs> so he actually got faster he got faster. he's he, he like hit second puberty and <laughs> he's now the greatest wide receiver ever i can't so. believe it that he got hurt I, it cost ohio state a national title that's so annoying and the same right. thing happened to Nick Boza, and he was going to have an unbelievable year, too. I can't believe it, man. Do you think okay. that he could have played at the end and he quit on Ohio State, like some say? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I had an opinion on this, but I, f- I forgot what it was. <laughs> I think I was leaning towards... I think I was leaning towards if... He spent the whole year, like... It wasn't like he got hurt, and then he was just, like, out. He came back. Right. I saw him play. Uh, me and my dad went to the Iowa game, and he wasn't himself at all. And it was a hamstring, right? Or am I? Yeah, I think it was. I think that if he he was like borderline for the Ohio State-Michigan game, and then he opts entirely out of a game a month away, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I kind of felt like if he really was injured – to the point where he knew he wasn't going to be able to play in a game that was set from a month from now. How was he questionable for the Michigan game that he didn't play in, if that makes sense? So I kind of thought that maybe, like, if he had wanted to play, he could have at least, like, what was the point of opting out? He could have just not opted out and been like, yeah, if if I can't go, I can't go. All, All you do by opting out is giving yourself no chance. And apparently he had a chance to play in the Michigan game, so why not a month later? You don't think you have any hope? So I, I I don't blame him. The thing is, is that hamstrings, you don't want to mess with that. You don't want to mess with that. So I don't blame him one bit, but I, I do kind of think that he he opted out for the sake of like, he maybe could have gone, but decided it was, it was not worth the risk. And even, even in, in that scenario where it's the playoffs, I kind of agree with him because you could really mess yourself up if you play on a, on a bad hand hamstring. I think that's the right take. I think that, you know, he probably could have played and, held himself out 
or at least didn't want to take the risk. And that's fine because millions and millions and millions yeah. of dollars are yep. on the line. hundred percent. Point hundred percent. So we should have won anyway really too. Matter. So who cares? That's still on us. Facts. Us. Facts. <laughs> on you. <laughs> Just you. As an, I, lo- I love calling your sport. This is referring to like you and your sports teams as we. <laughs> not. Nah, people are like, you're not on the team. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, I am. Speaking of anyway. the team, Bladen. Speaking of oh, you God. being on the team, you just traded for Elijah Moore <laughs> from I did. the Jets. Uh, they gave up their second round pick for Elijah Moore and a third. How are you feeling about the state of the Cleveland Browns in this moment? I mean, the real thing that I'm upset about is that we brought back Anthony Walker. All Browns fans <laughs> seem to love him. I don't know why. He's the last. Does he get a lot of football. tackles? <laughs> He's like he Joe Schobert. Tackles. <laughs> Not even cleanup tackles. He's the last man to the football. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, Elijah Moore, my, my big thing is like, how much has he even played in the past couple of years? And I know that it's like, well, he's had Zach Wilson throwing to him. Well, Garrett Wilson balled out with Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson, yes, whole different prospect. What did we do? We traded, we basically traded a second for a third and then we get you Elijah traded back Moore. exactly 32 spots. So you traded okay. back around and we get, get Elijah get Garrett Moore. Wilson. Or not Carol. <laughs> Gar- I, I wish. <laughs> no, I mean he'll probably be he'll be battling with Donovan Peoples Jones for that wide receiver two spot. Um, they'll be like two three. I mean, at, at this point, anything's an upgrade from like David Bell and Anthony Schwartz. Those guys stink. So <laughs> I, I guess from that perspective, it's fine. Again, the thing that I'm most worried about with the Browns, we could have really done without the receiver. But the thing that I think was most, the thing that I think is most important, we got the defensive line guys. That was really huge. I would have liked to have seen us make a bigger move at linebacker. And then, to my knowledge, we haven't really done anything at safety. Or no, we got uh, uh, the guy from Kansas City. We did do that. So yeah, Thornhill is one third. But it, so, it's someone, John Johnson was getting cooked all last year, so whatever. So who is the wide receiver three for the Browns before? It was, it would, it would have either been David Bell or Anthony Schwartz. Uh, yeah, man. There was, a, there was another, <laughs> there was another guy, um, Michael, Michael Woods, I think was getting significant reps. So yeah, man. we, we needed someone to fill that wide receiver three spot. Um, and I, I do think people's Jones will probably be the wide receiver too, just cause he's been there. But if, if more comes in and balls out, like I'm not mad. I really liked regardless. more coming out of old miss. I really, really liked more coming out of old miss. He had great hands. He catches everything. Like he can make subtle adjustments, catch the balls that are behind him, um, catch things through contact. He's not a big guy, so he's not going to go up and like moss you, but he is someone who has very, very reliable hands. And I think that it has translated to the NFL level. I looking at it now, it looks like PFF did not chart him with a single drop this season. He How played about 50, <laughs> that's a Sorry. that's a good question. We're on Larry Fitzgerald to watch with Elijah Moore since he played with Zach Wilson. He played with Zach Wilson too, so he might actually uh, he might More be up there. Drops. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, anyway, so yes, he's very reliable hands. I think after the catch, he's got a lot of quickness and, and agility. I do think that he suffers a little bit from DeAndre Swift syndrome, where like he'll not just take it up field when he needs to take it up field that will instead like run backwards or sideways or something. And you're like, just go. I get that you can like make guys miss, but like it's time to go downhill right now. Um, that's something that I've, I've noticed a couple of times when I watch Elijah Moore is like, he is dynamic, but sometimes I think he's got to rein it in a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, I think that this year, especially you noticed he, he obviously wanted to trade. Um, so he wasn't maybe trying his absolute hardest on, on every single route, but he's someone with a lot of talent and definitely clears any other option that the Browns could throw out there in the slot. He has inside out versatility. 
He had 50% of his snaps in the slot this year, about exactly 50 outside. So, you know, you can line him up wherever. He's, he's got a pretty good skill set. Um, a smaller guy, so maybe never going to be dominant, but could definitely be a, a very useful player in a, in a receiving core for a, for a team that definitely needs some skill position depth. So I, I like it. Trade down 32 picks in the draft. There's really not a lot of receivers that I would take over. I guess that's that's Elijah the point Moore is that like because we gave one. a pick what what pick did we give up? It was 42. I think it was like 46 or something. It's 46. In the 40s. Yeah, I mean you're probably not 42. Getting, you were right, Bladen. It was 42. Look at me. Um, what, Zay Flowers probably isn't. That's the only guy that I think you're really close to on that kind of a spectrum if you're talking about guys with that kind of like big play after the catch ability um that's probably the only guy that i would really really like tank dell i don't think is comparable um who else might be there addison i don't even think addison would be there no i I think at 42 you're you're shot on receiver unless you're moving up uh, maybe downs is there. I mean, like one could fall that far, but there's a lot of teams that need receiver. And right. it's just, especially when you get into those high second round picks, are going to be glad to get those right. guys. And I think, I think once you get past, I mean, who is it? Flowers, Downs, Addison, Johnston, and um, JSN. JSN. There's your five after that. Who are you taking yeah, for? I guess there's Hyatt and there's like A.T. Perry. So maybe you could get a guy like that. Yeah. But according to like PFF's trade value, grades like moving down those 32 picks is about an equivalent value to like a fourth round pick so that's early day three for elijah moore it's a good process to me it's it's not bad um yeah you're probably not getting a receiver of that caliber in the draft at least not this year so i'm not mad at it I don't know. I think we'll no, he's on a cheap deal. It's like a fourth round equivalent like grade if you look at the numbers, I guess. So, yeah, I, I thought that this was a perfectly, I thought it was a savvy move by Cleveland, yeah. actually. And I think Especially, it continues, it, it builds on a strong offseason for them. Like, I know that you don't like the Walker signing, but yeah. man, that's, they, that's they signed like, two good defensive I, I linemen and they got, a, they got a good wide receiver for, you know, just moving back in the draft a, a handful of picks. Like, man, I I think that they're doing a good job, actually. Yeah, the only it's just like it's a good job, but if we aren't really good this year, it's going to look gross for the upcoming <laughs> seasons. And you know it's going to look gross. Right? With the, with the Deshaun Watson cap hit, it's going to be a monstrosity to deal with. Many core players are probably going to be gone. So, that's the only thing that scares me. And I but yes, I I think like the the defensive line moves were outstanding. Um, this is obviously a good move. The only thing that's really a little disappointing is the Walker signing. I would have. I don't even think we brought back Taki Taki. I think I would have rather have had him, and then maybe Wagner. Those. I think that would have been a better group of guys to have than what we have right now. But I digress. We'll live. Yeah, I think this is a big year for the Browns' offense. I mean, with Watson last season, I mean, Watson there were some people saying that they were going to be, <laughs> they were gonna be Brissett was better than him. Brissett outplayed him. He, I, I mean, this is this could end in an all-time Browns disaster. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm predicting it, but I am saying he's got like five games, and if he doesn't look good out the gate now, dude, this is. I mean, it's the worst. It's the worst team building moment in Browns history, which is saying something. So there's a lot of pressure on them. <laughs> it would Even be the worst team building moment in NFL history to give someone with those allegations that contract, like and that there trade, is completely fall apart. Yeah. So they got to get some receivers to make it like at least they could even if he maybe on film isn't like being a total difference maker, which again, I'm not predicting, but at least make it easy for like to look at the box score and say like, oh, he's doing a decent job. <laughs> they, they'll probably Man. take another receiver. They'll probably they could maybe take a receiver like again, just to like make sure they have three good ones. All All I'm saying is if this doesn't work out. How long do you think we'll go before teams will just like stop trading for quarterbacks like this? 
Because Probably Russell not that Wilson, because Stafford, because Stafford won a Super. I guess Stafford worked out. But like, and I guess the Jets are probably about to do with Rodgers. But like, I'm looking at like Russ, complete disaster. Watson, if it is a complete disaster. I mean, those are two teams that just like completely are screwed now. It is a copycat league. And if it doesn't work out, that could scare teams away. But I still think that we're close enough to the Stafford winning a Super Bowl thing. (laughs) But the Stafford trade within itself like okay it won them a super bowl so you can it, it it worked the way that they wanted it to but it only worked because the rams had a stacked roster and they got it done that year from yeah. a a zoom out let's say that like any any other team besides the los angeles rams make that trade it's a horrible one it's it's like almost on par with russ or watson not quite, but like they gave him a huge yeah, contract, give up true. two first, and right now, like he's not good, and it looks like I mean, it looks like they're going to be trying to get a quarterback next year. And, and again, it almost it didn't only, work out. They had to trade for Vaughn and Odell, and they had to hit that pass to Cup at the end of the Buccaneers game. Do you remember? Yeah, <laughs> which was which was a dot. Which was which a, was a no, dot. I mean, and obviously, it was they, a good they got trade, what they paid obviously. for there, but it, it it's very like it barely worked, and that's you yeah. know it barely worked. And if it if they didn't if anything went wrong, if that holding penalty wasn't called at the end of the game in the Super yeah. Bowl, like maybe they they just leave empty handed, and their team is totally terrible now. So I see what you're saying, right? So not the it worked. You won a Super Bowl, so you can be you know bad forever now and. The trade was perfect. It's, it's like the, uh, it's almost like the Anthony Davis trade in that sense. It worked, but like, man, you look back on the value and you do kind of wonder a little bit. Although I'd say, I'd say with that, now that's a whole different thing. The Lakers screwed themselves over with other trades, really. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, the the one saving grace could be like if Rodgers comes and like completely fixes the Jets, but dog, he's forty. That's the thing, man. Like Rogers, father time unbeaten, man. It's I, I think there's a real and how many? So I, if Rogers gets moved, isn't he's not he's not getting a new deal, is he? How many more years does he have? I Three? don't think he's getting a new deal. I think it it will no. come down to how much money does the pack do the Packers take versus how much money do the do the Jets take? Because he's right. on the hook for like sixty million dollars this year, I think. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it, that's the thing. It's I could I really see teams really being scared traded for like that much, though. I really don't. I think it'll be a one. That, that's that's what it seemed right to me. Just a one. I think it's going to be a one next year. Is what I think really? is going to happen. And well, it's if the Jets trade for Rodgers and still have their first round pick this year, that's crazy. It's it's interesting. You know what I. I I, I guess I hadn't thought about this till now, but really, if you're the Jets, you don't care as much about the like, is it going to be a first and a third or is it going to be this year's first or next year's first? That's whatever. You really care about how much money you are taking versus how that's probably what the big hang up is, is how much money does each team have to take? And I would think that matters far more to the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, I'd need to check up more on the, honestly, as a Packers fan, I'm pretty, like, behind on exactly how much money, like, what the agreement would be and and what's all on the table when it comes to who has to take the amount of money, like, certain I I believe, I believe you can change who is giving the guaranteed money. I think the standard is that you pay the guaranteed money no matter what in a trade like that. But I remember, very specifically, Brock Osweiler traded... Yes. basically to get off of the cash on that deal and the Browns got a second to take them. So yes. I know, I know for a fact you can take guaranteed money. Same thing with the bait with the Baker deal, right? It all came down to like how much money is each team taking? So I guess like NFL contracts to be they're they're pretty vague and I'm, I'm always a little bit unsure about like where each side of the money is coming from. It's a big war on Packers Twitter right now. Like, will we be able to, who has the leverage? Who has the leverage? Will we be able to get, um, as justice would say 13 for 12 pick 13 for 12 i am probably a bit of a brian gutekunst suppressive person and am a little bit pessimistic that we're going to get a pick that high for someone who just clearly is not going to be on the te- team next year and 
you could say like, well, then who the Jets need to have a quarterback like, and I think with Matthew Stafford being available and, you know, with Zach Wilson still on the roster, I can't imagine they'd run it back with him actually, but you know, maybe they could bluff that they they, they could. I think that it could drag out a bit past the draft because neither team really has any leverage. Like the Packers can't bring him back and the Jets can't not trade for him is kind of what it seems like right now. So it's like, who has the level? Like, no one. Like, it just has to happen. Um, right. And neither team can afford to not have it happen. So I think it's going to just drag on past I, the draft. And I think next year's first is g- going to be the compromise because the Packers probably want pick 13, right? The Jets don't want to give up pick 13 because if they have Rodgers, their pick next year won't be as high. Uh, but who knows, right? These are the kinds of trades that the the Broncos and the Seahawks made and the Seahawks ended up with a really high pick and the Lions ended up with a really high pick for the Safford trade this year. So like, who knows? It probably won't happen, but maybe maybe next year's first is the compromise they end up going to is I think kind of where I'm at. I think I think the Packers have the leverage. You do? Easily. Um, You're not alone in that, that the, line of thought. Okay, let's say they don't pull off the trade, the Packers. What happens? Rodgers is away from the team. You don't get a first-round pick. <laughs> if the Jets don't pull off the trade, disaster. Disaster. The, the Packers are doing the same thing. It, whether or not they trade Rodgers, it's basically the same. Now, they're going to be missing out on our first, but they're still is the plan is still going accordingly, essentially. You're starting love, and you've got these pieces, and okay, yada, yada, yada. If the Jets don't get Rodgers, you're screwed. Now, you could. there's some other options out there. Like, yeah, you could go after Stafford. I don't think that'd work. I think his, I think he looked really bad last year, and that's super yeah. risky. Uh, you could maybe see if Tannehill's there. That could possibly work, but we don't even know if he's actually available. Uh, you could go after Lamar, but that would be pretty darn crazy to just be like, well, <laughs> we didn't get Rodgers. I guess we're going to go make this insane investment, you know? And, I would say that if they don't get Rodgers, they're screwed for this year, but they're not screwed for the next five. You know, like their window is still open to try again next season with somebody else because they have young pieces. It's not an old team that needs to win right now because they've got Garrett Wilson. They've got Sauce Gardner. They've got Quentin Williams. They've got, you know, Jermaine Johnson, who they drafted in the first round. They've got DJ Reed. Like none of these guys are old. Like this team should be pretty good for the next couple years. So they could say like, yeah, man, you could, Rogers will retire and you get nothing instead of our second round picks, you know, uh, or Corey Davis. I don't know, or, you man. Know, whoever they, if they were they thinking that long term, would they be trading for Rodgers? I don't think you can for just the right price, punt they on would the be. season. And if, if, I don't know. if you don't get Rodgers, you're punting. The AFC is insane. So... I don't know. I, I, again, I think it'll come down to the just the first flat, but I think the Packers probably have a little bit more leverage, in my opinion. But both do need to get it maybe. Done. But but there's no other team that wants to trade for Rodgers. Is the thing like there's only one? There's no buyer's market to drive the price up. It's just the Jets. And if the Jets say like, man, even if we get Rodgers, who said that he almost retired and probably is gone next year, and you know, maybe even is it maybe he isn't even good enough to win the AFC these days. Like, if we miss out on him, like, okay, I guess we'll try again next year with something that's a bit more sustainable because the window to compete in the AFC, like, maybe maybe it isn't even right now. And if they say something like that, and they're like, "We were your only buyer, and now we're leaving, uh, and we'll like reset the timeline or whatever, and we'll try again next year." I, I don't know, like, what does that do for the Packers? Does Rodgers just retire and the Packers get nothing for him? I, I it's. It's interesting. I'm very fascinated to see what they end up getting. I, I, I think I, I think you're kind of right. That's a good point. I mean, because I see what you're saying too. Just, I really do see what you and I see what everyone who's like, you know, the Jets have. It's a very, right it's now. such like, an interesting it. situation, man. That's it's, it's I, a, I, something like this has never happened before that I can remember. Where it's like both teams got to make this trade, and there's nobody. There's just like no outside. There's factors. no other. Just yeah, like, there's no one else who wants this guy. It, it, they're bidding. Uh, they're no. There's no bidding war. They're, they can't call and say Washington just offered us pick fifteen or seventeen or whatever they have. So pick thirteen would be just a little bit more. Like they can't say that because that's not happening. You know, so well, it, it wouldn't even matter because Rogers. 
he ain't going to go play for Washington regardless. Right. No. He's Washington, not, yeah, Rodgers came out and Rogers said, said like, I, I will be a play jet. For the Jets. I will be a Jet. And so like at that point, it's like, well, Rodgers wants to be a Jet and we want Rodgers. Why are you digging your heels in and, and just muddling this all up when we're not going to give you these picks? You know, like you can either have nothing or you can have the second round pick or even next year's first, which will probably be like, hopefully, if you're the Jets in the late 20s. And so I, but then, I, but I then again, but then on. again, the Packers are going to be like, oh, if you're only going to give us a first next year, then you're taking most of the money. Yeah, that could also be, and maybe it, it does. It is something boring like that where it's a second. Round we should get we should get Brad. Another. We'll get Brad Spielberger on and have him hash this out for us. Yeah, I might just DM him and just. Ask him <laughs> what the hell is going on it's like, dog, please explain the cap to me again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but uh, Matt. Did mm-hmm. you want to? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Zion. Yeah, yeah. You posed the question: Would you give up the the Donovan Mitchell package for a guy like Zion? What was the results on that, by the way? It's about fifty fifty, slightly favoring. No, I bring this up because Kendrick Perkins said, uh, "If I were the Pelicans, I'd be looking to trade him." And people were like, oh, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" He's not totally crazy. All right, he's not. This is not some like insane. Makes no sense. Now, should the Pelicans trade Zion? No, because I don't think that they'd get a Donovan Mitchell offer at all. People have this idea, like, people have this idea that Zion Williamson is eventually going to just start playing and start being in it it consistently. And maybe he'll never be like an 82 game uh, a year guy, even though uh, literally nobody is in, in, in the NBA. So who cares? But he may never be a 60 game guy, as I feel like what you would have to think if you're the Pelicans. He's averaged 30 games a year so far in his career. And it's not like he had some big major injury year one and he had to sit out the, the first like year and a half and it took a long time from rehab or something like that messed up or it was a situation where he had to have multiple surgeries when he only thought he had to have one. No, he has just consistently had lower body injuries over and over, man. And his play style and his size, I just don't think – I just don't think that's ever going to stop with him is basically what I'm, what I'm thinking. So I, I pose a question. Would you, would you give up a Donovan Mitchell trade package? I don't know exactly what that'd be, but a Donovan Mitchell trade package for Zion. I think people saying yes are crazy. I think, I think that's crazy. I think I know Joel Embiid was hurt early in his career and he's, Turned it around a good amount now, even though Joel Embiid gets hurt in the playoffs all the time. Like Joel Embiid is incredibly injury prone and it's a huge problem for the 76ers. And it's one of the worst things about their, you know, their chances to try to go win a title. It makes it tough, but I I just don't know if you can expect that with Zion. And I think if a team put their eggs in that basket, they would be insane to do it. Trade the whole future for somebody who has gotten through a real number of games one time in four years when it's already so hard for any players to get through a full NBA season. And you see this happen to guys like a Gordon Hayward. He cannot possibly, it's not like, Oh, he has a chance to play so many games. He has no hope. It's not going to happen. That's not how the NBA works. Anthony Davis. He is not going to get through 70 games ever again. It's just, it's like, it's okay. People think about it like the NFL, like uh, you get an injury prone guy, but with 17 games, you're rolling the dice. Maybe they play three games, but they could also play 15. It could happen. Right. It's not like that in the in the NBA. It's more like a pitcher. It's it's it, it, not quite like that, but it's it's more like this guy simply cannot get through this many games. It's too hard. It's too physically taxing, and almost nobody can actually do it in the NBA anymore with any consistency. Almost nobody <laughs> that, plays eighty two games. That's right? why I'm trading for him. I'm giving up the Donovan Mitchell package. And I'm I'm anticipating and I'm praying that Adam Silver shortens the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, seriously, I mean, I just how many injury and there's again, there's some examples of it turning around. Embiid somewhat. Curry had his ankle problems, and for the most part, he's been more of like a roll the dice injury guy. He's been healthy enough, obviously, for the Warriors to win some titles, even though the injuries have been a problem. But I just think in the NBA, every single year, you know who's going to win the title this season? Whichever contender is the healthiest. That is all it comes down to almost. Whichever one of them is the healthiest. Every single season, 
Since I can remember, it has been the exact same thing. If so-and-so had been healthy, this team probably would have won, but they weren't. That great. Right. The, think about the Warriors. In 2015, they played the Cavs that were so hurt that they were starting Tristan Thompson and Mozgov together <laughs> in the NBA Finals. <laughs> then they played in 2016, yeah. and people would blame Curry being hurt for that loss. Then in 2017, Kawhi got hurt and they won that series 2018 Chris Paul gets hurt in a series that I really think they would have lost 2019 they get hurt and the Raptors win it's this is just how the NBA works so I think not taking into account a player's like ridiculously injury prone history and if I feel bad for Zion because it's not his fault I don't think he's just I mean he's one of the bigger NBA players I I think outside of Steven Adams and that's part of his game and that's there's nothing inherently wrong with that but i just don't think his lower body can keep up and i think that if he dropped a bunch of weight he wouldn't be the he's that just doesn't fit his play style those that just butts heads so i really hope that he can consistently play because he really is one of the most fun players to watch but i just think if you don't take into account the injury proneness and the injury history and you just sell your whole future to go trade for him it'd be a big mistake and i think i think the pelicans are in a really tough spot because of it correct me if i'm wrong was this a this was a concern when Zion was getting drafted, right? Yeah, it it, it was a little because he bit. Like it wasn't broke this his bad, shoe. Though. Didn't he like break? Well, his that shoe? was <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit different. That was such a big deal because that was that was like a huge game. Everyone got pumped up to watch, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and then yes, he like met, a, he ripped through his shoe and it like ruined it. Yeah, because he got. It, it, it was a concern about the injury stuff, but you could also say that for John Morant, who went number two that year, yeah. is that people people are worried about his injury stuff, and it hasn't been nearly as bad as Zion's, but they're like, oh, this is kind of a Derrick Rose-type player, and that could lead to Derrick Rose-type injuries. So I think I'm, all this is to say that the Pelicans probably can't do anything at this point. I do think you're going to have some years where you probably get 60 games out of them and 70, 70 is maybe possible some years. And your best bet is to roll the dice on that because if you trade them, I don't think you'll get equal value. Like your best path to contending is hoping you get lucky with the Zion injury stuff. But I think that if you are at a big disadvantage health wise, it's hard to win a title. Yeah. I think it's really, really hard to win a title because I, I think was, that's the I, most important I was a thing. bit surprised to see just how many um, people voted yes on the Donovan Mitchell package. I would be down to trade for him <laughs> if he was available. I would call. I would be interested in taking the chance. Like, yeah, maybe because Curry's ankle injuries were thought to be like debilitating early in his career. Same thing with Joel Embiid, uh, like as you mentioned. And I would be hopeful that a guy like Zion maybe would figure it out as, as time went on, like, they would eventually find out a weight or whatever it is that that worked for him. And he started to put together, maybe not, you know, 70 what game seasons, like you were saying, but so I, I would be interested in trading for him, mm-hmm. but like the Donovan Mitchell package is some, one of the biggest trade packages that has ever been traded at any time. I, I just don't know if he would demand quite that much when he hasn't shown any ability to stay healthy, but I, I would, I'm not quite as. I yeah. Maybe, like maybe I'm, I'm taking this to, just a step too far. But I think I, I stand by my point that people are probably not being pessimistic enough about it. Unfortunately, Unfor- I think it's I think it's really, really bad. And I think I but the Pelicans still have all these picks. I don't know. They're a very weird team. They're in a very weird spot right now. If they were healthy, they'd be so good. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was the Pelicans, I think that'd be my course of action is just like, well, <laughs> let's see if one of these years it happens i don't know it's a great I, point matthew you know it's like I, uh no all this is to say you don't do anything and keep doing exactly what the pelicans are doing but i'm um, <laughs> just being negative and harsh i guess i was it's always interesting when you put out a poll and the the results are as split as that poll's results mm-hmm. were so it's an interesting discussion point anytime that you you say anything that that truly creates like a 50 50 um yes no split so it's definitely worth talking about and i mean this is something that we were saying before the season and here he is hurt again so yeah it's it's interesting what's more interesting at the nba 
there there is a war on LeBron. <laughs> oh my god! Being <sighs> being pushed across the league right as now. usual. <laughs> People say he's not scary to guard. People do not fear lining up against LeBron. Matt, if you were guarding LeBron James, what emotions would you feel? I'd feel honored to have the chance to guard him. Honored. But uh, fear, Enchanted. I'm afraid, would not be would not be there. And if if it was Michael Jordan, possibly if we want to compare, I'd be very scared of Michael Jordan. And that's a big reason why I have Michael Jordan as the goat. You know, um, because of scariness and I don't know. I 100 percent agree. Like the, this is ridiculous, and I I feel like I lean pretty heavily into the. I don't necessarily trust everything that players say about other players. I think they are biased and emotional like analysts too. And just because they've played in the end, like no one's scared of LeBron. Well, like, I guess, like, how do you even really talk about that? How do you like argue that? I, <laughs> what is the, he makes it to the finals like eight years in a row, but he wasn't scary doing it, I guess. <laughs> sure. Okay. So many of these NBA debates are just like words. It's, like, it's, what do it's words not mean? debating basketball. <laughs> You're semantics. debating what a word means. And I like to do it a little bit, but oh my God, <laughs> super team, superstar. You're never debating how good the players are. You're debating what is a super team? What is a superstar? What is, what is legendary? And it's nothing. Because the because it's a made up term, it doesn't have a set meaning, so it, it could be whatever you want it to be. And, and th- those are the worst ones. At least legendary has a like a, a definition. <laughs> but well, that one's pretty much the same we, way. we had JJ Reddick reading from the dictionary on first take because of this debate. <laughs> he pulled <laughs> the definition of. He fear. pulled out his phone and read off the definition of fear. That is where. NBA dialogue is is at the <laughs> we're reading. <laughs> Let me pull out the thesaurus real and he's quick. Like, and he's like, yeah. fear is the state of you know, I don't I don't know what the definition of fear is off the top of my head, but like um, fearing for or or being worried about your well being and, and safety. And he's like, well, yeah, that's not what I felt like guarding good player. I wasn't like concerned for my safety. I'm an athlete. <laughs> I like I think I, I wasn't could go terrified out and hold for my, my own. life. <laughs> But it's like, okay, this is dumb. I also wonder like where like these quotes come from. Cause it'll be like the NBA central on Twitter. And they will be like an anonymous, an anonymous player says that they didn't fear LeBron. It's like, who, in what context? Cause it's anonymous, right? Was it an interview where the guy was like blacked out and had the, the distorted voice? So you couldn't tell which player it was. And he was like delivering this manifesto on like, LeBron's not scary to guard or was it something he like casually said at one time where he's like, yeah, he's LeBron, with the boys. like, and then it like <laughs> circulated and then I, I, or did he like DM <laughs> NBA central directly? It's like, where do these things even come from? They, I swear that they're just getting like made up or, or something like that. Okay. Here's, here's what I want people to think about. Right. If you've ever just like been to a basketball court, like the YMCA or just like any pickup game, Right. It doesn't matter how good you are. You are talking shit. You are. You're Especially like, oh, I'm just NBA like, bro, 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 you can't guard me. It's like, oh, bro, I'm blocking you. It's like, everyone is saying, no, no one's being like, I'm so scared of you, man. Please don't line up against me. I also don't think like anyone would have said that about Jordan in or Kobe, like in the eras that they played in. Like no player would be like, yeah, man, I'm just so fucking scared. (laughs) (laughs) After, after the (laughs) career is over, you may go back and say like, oh, back in our generation, like legendary Michael Jordan. Like I was scared, but like no current player is going to be like, I am shaking in my boots right now, dude. (laughs) I am getting I gotta, I, all right, I gotta ask on Twitter. Who do you think in the NBA is most scared of LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not 
bonus players <laughs> says, I'm really fearful of LeBron, and I sit out the games we play against him. <laughs> this is like this. This would be like asking, like, is James Harden unforgettable? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Yes, we we thought of a little game um, before the show because we were so frustrated about how all of these debates go down um, about players and terms that we decided to just make something up and we're going to post the following clip on TikTok about us debating yes. if James Harden is an unforgettable player. And we're going to so, see if we can just go viral just by debating some like <laughs> stupid bullshit on like, will we forget about James Harden one because, day? Like, what, the, right. like, what the hell does like, that what mean? What does that mean? No, like, exactly. It doesn't no. mean anything It doesn't mean all. anything. <laughs> what does so, unforgettable mean? Is So basically for yeah. those that are watching the podcast on YouTube or on Spotify, you will have this context of this <laughs> being a bit. But if you're watching on TikTok or Reels or Shorts or whatever, whatever short form platform you're watching on, you will think that we are being dead ass about this debate. <laughs> is he unforgettable? Yeah, is he unforgettable? So, Bladen, let's let's. So, yeah. Okay, so we need a starting point to cut it, and so uh, that yes, we could so exactly. just like, do you think James Harden is a unforgettable player? Like, let's so so goes. Matt Theo, I have to ask you: Is James Harden an unforgettable player, Matt? I will start with you. No, I mean, to me, if we're defining somebody as unforgettable, that has to mean that you can't tell the story of the NBA without him. And to me, if I'm talking to my kids about what happened in in my era of the NBA when I was growing up, I can leave out James Harden and they can know everything they need to know. So I'd say he's not unforgettable. Totally fair. You're forg- I'm forgetting about James Harden. I person. think that's a... Uh, Absolutely crazy thing to say. I think that James Harden is one of the most unforgettable players that we've had in a long time. First of all, he shoots a lot of free throws, which are the most unforgettable plays in basketball. The whole game stops. There's a spotlight on you as you step up to the line and shoot these baskets. What is more memorable than that the whole game stops and he focuses on james harden over and over and over again his style unforgettable he also went to arizona state university the biggest school in the country and so more people statistically are fans of james harden than any other basketball player in the world three He's got the beard, the signature look. This is very important. Whenever I see anybody with a beard, I say that guy looks a lot like James Harden. Throughout my day, I'm consistently thinking about James Harden all the time. One of the most unforgettable, and there's many more like me. I I think he's completely unforgettable. There's only one thing that I really remember about the NBA from year to year. I don't think about who had the most free throws or who was the best at drawing fouls or uh, who had a really good attempt but came up short. Uh, I, I think about who won the championship. I think about the players who won the championship because that's the actual goal of the game. Uh, and James Harden has done that how many times? Zero times. He sucks. Okay. <laughs> Excellent point, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Excellent analysis. Player. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will be forgetting. I will be forgetting James Harden. No, no. Stop stop that right now. You better not. There's only one thing you want to do in the NBA. Win a championship. Is he James Harden that any times, dude? Is James Harden unforgettable? Who? Who's, who's that? Who? James. <laughs> He's got to be one of the most forgettable superstars. <laughs> <laughs> Top ten most forgettable superstars. <laughs> it's, how many how many super teams has James Harden been on? Well, that largely depends on whether or not well, you classify him as a superstar himself, <laughs> and what about the players around him? In this essay, I will. How James many unforgettable Harden. players has James Harden played with? That's the real question. <laughs> well, Chris Paul is is unforgettable. <laughs> Chris Kyrie Paul is the other hand. <laughs> James Harden forgettable. Chris Paul though, that guy James will be remembered forgettable. Forever. Chris Paul legendary. Um, Kyrie controversial. KD deep bag. Uh, this all combines into 
the supernova team <laughs> that James Harden has surrounded himself with. I don't so know. It's, <laughs> we'll see if that actually translates. I don't know if we were quite serious enough. To no, it, I, but it's, I, I, I did not keep a straight face the entire time. That is, is that all you guys got for today? That is, that is all, all I got, I got. For today. So thank you all so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute blast discussing the semantics of the NBA with my, my two favorite co-hosts of all time. And as always, until next time, from Corn Boy, Bird Boy, and Lemon Boy, we will catch you all on the Flippity Flop. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.